essentially the same unappreciative crowd full of scumbags from last night. You hear the rumble in here? The rumble is the sound of progression and fundamentals are being made at the wrestling factory. This is Tyson Dukes and you're listening to the Scumbags of Wrestling podcast, y'all. And we're back. We're still here with Chris Maloney of the Sharpshooter podcast. How are you doing still, Chris? Uh, still watching WWE Network right now. I didn't realize the Bret Hart versus Tom McGee match. At uh, one point, Tom McGee had a huge wedgie going on that nobody has mentioned online. So, had to be a reason for that. Although uh, it's, it's, it is comical, he's he's wearing. Now, anybody that knows the story knows that Vince McMahon was marketed about this guy backstage, apparently, and he's got the opposite colors of Hulk Hogan. So, as opposed to the yellow trunks, he's got red trunks. As opposed to the red knee pads, he's got yellow knee pads. So, um, no mustache, of course, and he's got that '80s kind of. Uh, uh, I, I guess it'd be kind of Brian Pillman here back then, but um, so far I'm watching this match, not impressed. Yeah, Brett uh, basically carried that. And that was uh, part of StarCast, which we're uh, about to talk about, uh, leading into AEW's Double or Nothing. Um, I had StarCast. I saw a bunch of the things. It started off actually on Friday night with, or sorry, Thursday night with the... Owen Hart tribute show, and there was uh, a panel with Jerry the King Lawler, Booker T, Jerry the King Lawler, JR, Mark Henry, and Davy Boy Smith Jr., along with Tony Schiavone, talking all about Owen's life and paying tribute to him. During the weekend, there was also uh, one with Sting, and the highlight of that said was Sting saying that for the right price, he would actually do one more match. You never know if WWE heard that and will take him up on that offer and finally pull the trigger with Sting and Undertaker at maybe the next Saudi Arabia show since the Crown Prince loves all the nostalgia acts like that. Uh, Arn Anderson, he was, had his own show and highlights from that included him having his own podcast coming up soon with Conrad Thompson. He unfortunately cannot reveal uh, everything that happened of why he is no longer with WWE, but he did give praise to certain talents there and even said that if he had his chance and choice, he would actually be the manager of the Revival. Uh, running down a couple more things, Parker T had his own show. Sean Waltman had a show talking about a lot involving the invasion angle that they that DX did with uh, going to the scope, trying to get into the WCW event when they had the Monday Night Wars going on. And there was the Bret Hart uh, panel. He had an hour with Sean Mooney, and then they brought in Tom McGee and talked about that match and even gave a plug for WWE Network, encouraging people to bring up that match. 
and start at the uh, part of the documentary and watch along as Tom and Brett talked about the match and their memories of it. So there's also the final uh, something to wrestle with, with Bruce Pritchard and Conrad Thompson, since Bruce is back on the road. There was a Crazy Like a Fox uh, panel talking about Brian Pillman's life. 83 Weeks with Eric Bischoff was talking about the Nitro book, which uh, is the most in-depth book written about Nitro and the ups and downs and the failures of actually what happened from a lot of different sources, and it was put together. So tons more shows from StarCast you don't want to miss if you get a chance to go and fight and catch up on them. Did you see any of them, Chris? Good news is uh, Tom the Wedgie McGee won the match with a roll-up. Woohoo! <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I did watch the uh, Sharp Shooter Bret Hart uh, segment on uh, StarCast there. Uh, the other one I caught was the Owen Hart uh, tribute, uh, which was amazing. Um, the only thing I didn't like about that, and I, I you know, it's um, I love Owen Hart and what he you know did for wrestlers now, as well as what he accomplished back then, um, and and seeing him live, like I, I think I mentioned on last week's show, was um, you know I got to see the true Owen, which was pretty cool. But um, Davy Boy Smith Jr. seemed out of place. Like I don't know if that's just his personality or what, but he, um, you know, you get in the Mark Henry stories and they were great. You, Bret Hart, not Bret Hart, sorry. Um, but um, who else was part of that panel? It was it was Mark Henry, Jr. and the King. Oh, yeah, Jr. and the King, and you get into their stories as well. And the King didn't talk so much, but Jr. was was very in depth with what he was talking about. And whatever reason, you know, the relative uh, Davy Boy Smith Jr. just and like I said, maybe it's just a personality trait, but you, it wasn't. I, I just didn't feel a connection watching the show. Um, after that, I had listened to the podcast version of Meltzer and Alvarez with regards to their questions and stuff like that, because they had did kind of a side gimmick show, uh, and that was kind of cool to listen to. But um, uh, I, you know, it's, it kind of sucks that the fact is Arn Anderson couldn't touch base on the WB stuff. Uh, but I mean, obviously, in time it will come out. I mean, you listen to the, the, the sorry, the John Moxley podcast with Chris Jericho this, uh, this you know, today actually, and you listen to the real side of the story. And um, you know, it's Starcast is one of those things that's um, I think in time will fade away. Um, I don't know if they're going to go back to ever of the kayfabe days of wrestling, but. Um, I know I listened to a podcast right before this with Sean Ross Sapp of Fightful, who was at StarCast, and he was trying to do interviews, and he wouldn't mention names, but um, anyways, apparently he went to go interview uh, one of the female wrestlers, and they she wouldn't give him the interview, and apparently he had done an interview with somebody else, and as he was doing this interview with somebody else, apparently they were uh, this female wrestler was calling him a mark, and, and this and that, and all of a sudden some male wrestler come up to her and said, hey, no, that look, that's Sean Rossap from Fightful. You need to be respectful. But that, um, you know, that it's still out there as far as the, the wrestling fan versus the wrestling kind of journalist and, and where you draw that line. And StarCast is one of those things. And um, 
uh, you have a lot of fans who who go to this thing and spend a lot of money and uh, you know the autographs and everything else. And you talk about Sting, for example, and that one last match. Well, um, do you really want to see it? You know, take place at a Saudi Arabia show? Because to me, as a wrestling fan, I'd love to see it take place at WrestleMania. You know, if if they're going to call it careers, and I don't know if Sting is actually called a career at this point. But have Sting versus The Undertaker um, simply for name, face value, one more time, one last match, uh, first ever match between the two guys at WrestleMania and have them retire. And, and you know, um, I'd love to see that as a wrestling fan. And like I said, as Starcast, that's what it's for as a wrestling fans. And, um, you know, to me as a wrestling fan, watching the Owen stuff, watching the Bret Hart stuff, it uh, brought back a lot of memories of, you know why I was a fan back in the mid '90s, and 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 why I watched Stampede Wrestling every Monday night at 6 p.m. on TSN because WWE wasn't available back then. Um, but um, the Sting thing's kind of intriguing. I, I I don't know if there's much more information other than that. Maybe Sting's putting out a feeler as far as to see you know what's available for him. But I think he deserves his uh, moment in the sunset. And uh, who knows? Um, I don't know what kind of contract The Undertaker has with WWE, but I know at one point in time, Undertaker was signed to StarCast 2. So, um, you know, whether or not it's WWE putting them over in WrestleMania, whether or not it's AEW putting Sting versus The Undertaker on, it's uh, uh, it'd be interesting to see. Yeah, I think uh, Sting might have a Legends deal still with WWE regardless. And so he might still be somewhat attached to WWE in the long run. And yeah, we don't know what's going to happen. I think he basically is retired minus the right amount of pay coming to him for the right reason. But beyond that, he said he's done. So, yeah, get a chance to watch uh, StarCast. They are going to do StarCast 3 uh, next in August when uh, AEW does their next show all out. Uh, on August 31st. So, not too I, far away from StarCast 3. Can I make a comment right now? Yeah. So, here I was all excited to hear about StarCast 3 and looking at the StarCast 3 logo. <laughs> and um, being like, oh, hey, wait a second, that middle icon, that little middle column looks like CM Punk. I had this wrestling fan over the weekend be like, oh, no, that's not just CM Punk. That's the uh, Chicago flag. So to the asshole out there that decided to, uh, you know, kind of school me on the uh, Chicago flag, um, a big F you to them. And uh, I, I hope you, uh, you know, if, if you ever decide to call it quits on wrestling and the only wrestling match you get to watch for the rest of your life i hope it's baron corbin in the main event of something you're welcome <laughs> but anyways yeah it's it's funny we're, we're sitting at um smash wrestling this past sunday and all of a sudden we're you know just chit-chatting before we get into the doors and i'm like oh we're talking starcast 3 and uh, aew hitting chicago i think it's august and all of a sudden i'm, I'm realizing the, the the middle columns like cm punk style and then uh, Sean's like, oh, yeah, that's a freaking Chicago flag. That's why he done it up. And so to uh, be 42 years old and to be a wrestling fan since the age of three and to get schooled like that at a wrestling show, yeah, you know, Sean, you son of a bitch, man. You're welcome. <laughs> 
Tyson Dukes is currently one half of the Smash Wrestling Tag Team Champions and one of the pillars of wrestling in Ontario. He's had a very impressive career over the past two decades, and it's only natural that aspiring wrestlers would want to learn from a veteran of his caliber. Since October of 2017, Tyson opened up the Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory here in London, Ontario. Students learned all aspects of wrestling. The first graduates like Jim Strider, Violet Lee, and Jordan James are making their names for themselves on the indie scene. Whether you're a student or a supporter, you can now be a part of the club and purchase your own beautiful zip-up hoodie. They're just $40 up to extra-large and $45 for larger sizes. Contact Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory directly on Facebook to order yours today. Ladies and gentlemen, it has been a newsworthy few weeks for All Elite Wrestling. As some of you may know, some of you may be hearing for the very first time, AEW has entered into a TV deal with Turner Broadcasting. It's not missed on me. Sitting here in Atlanta, Georgia, the youngest of the Rhodes family, the weight of that announcement, the fact that pro wrestling is returning to Turner. And not only that, AEW has also entered into a TV deal with the UK's largest commercial television channel, that being ITV. This, it's unprecedented. And if you could refer to anything, it was over two decades ago. I mean, fans, this is your moment. My moment is our moment. And every bit of this, it starts May 25th, Las Vegas, double or nothing MGM Grand Garden Arena. And here's how you can watch it. In the United States and Canada, it's on pay-per-view. Internationally, you can watch it on Fight. Specifically in the UK, you can see it on ITV. And even in the United States, you can watch it on BR Live. But the real purpose of me sitting here today is simple. I want to take a moment to thank you. Thank you for your passion. Thank you for your loyalty. Thank you for your patience. We can't do this without you. We don't intend to do this without you. Let's go forward. I have a saying amongst my brethren in the elite, let's live forever. I'm not naive enough to think any of us can live forever, but I think pro wrestling can make moments that do. And that is what AEW so once again, from myself, from all of us at All Elite Wrestling, thank you. 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 We couldn't have done it without each and every one of you fans for supporting us. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, everybody. Thank you. So getting on to what happened on Saturday night, which is the big reason why StarCast 2 actually did happen, is the fact that AEW ran their first pay-per-view, and that was double or nothing. Uh, there was two matches on the buy-in. The first one was the uh, 21-man casino battle royale. It turned out to be like 22 men because, oops, Cody overbooked it a slight bit. But in the end, Adam Page won by eliminating MJF at the end of it. And Page now is a number one contender for the AEW World Championship 
in a match that's yet to be determined the actual date. But what did you think of the Battle Royal? So hit and miss, and you know I've listened to a lot of podcasts since the um, the event took place, and I agree with um, some of them with regards to the fact is the battle royal itself was a clusterfuck. Um, the I guess the um, the way it was worked out to happen was phenomenal as far as you know five guys, five guys, five guys, one or whatever the case may you know would have been. But the way it turned out is when these guys were coming out, they looked like basically the shock master of WCW after he burst through that wall and was kind of like, okay, what the hell do I do now? Um, it kind of sucks that Sean Spears was number 10, which made sense. But the fact is when you look at it and you walk, you know, go back and watch footage. But the fact is he kind of looked out of place and every single guy looked out of place with the exception of, um, you know, uh, Hangman Page who came out. And he was the Joker card, and he ends up coming out and winning it. And when I watched the end of the Battle Royal, and MJF sitting there, and he sneaks up on Hangman Page, I'm like, okay, here we go, old school booking. But Hangman throws him out, and I was like, okay, this is great booking. When Hangman came out, I marked. I was like, why do I recognize that music? And then sure enough, it's boom. It's like, oh my god, Hangman's in the Battle Royal. And there was a lot of guys in the Battle Royale that could have won it and uh, would have made sense. Uh, obviously, as a Canadian, Sean Spears would have been one of those. But, um, you know, nobody had seen him in a couple of months and nobody had seen him outside the WB in kind of, uh, you know, a lot of time. If you watch the YouTube videos of Being the Elite, MJF would have made sense, but he would have made sense to the point of Kofi Kingston winning the WrestleMania main event or the WrestleMania uh, WWE Championship match, you know what I mean? So why not throw a swerve? Why not try to uh, create some more excitement in wrestling as opposed to being like, okay, well, this guy's going to hide under the ring or hide outside, come in and beat this guy. It's like, no, why not have this guy swerve him and throw him out and win the battle royal? That's exactly what Hamlin Page did. Um, so to me, it's I'm not necessarily liking the rumors that who's going to win between Hangman and Chris Jericho, but um, I think it's a great, I guess, probably stepping stone or cementing stone as far as where AEW is going as far as their championship, um, uh, you know, status goes. Yeah, I think their biggest issue was the fact that their the first entry into the. Uh, Battle Royal, like the first, the second set of guys in numbers six through ten, it didn't have a countdown, and they didn't do the actual drawing of the card. And we just got, oh, the diamonds are coming next. And it was afterwards, the next two times we got, so we saw what card was pulled and had a countdown for that, and that kind of made sense. But they tried a little too hard to telegraph the number 10 and Sean Spears. I think that's where they slipped up. It obviously is some growing pains that they're going to have. It was their first ever match that they're putting together because regardless of what people think, oh, they did All In. All In was done with a lot of people from Ring of Honor and New Japan and Ring of Honor's production type people. And this is their first uh, actual own production uh, Tony Khan was even at uh, the gorilla running perfect timing, they said. So 
for her first uh, outing and the changing of the rules type deal, yeah, there's some glitches, but it could have been a whole lot worse than what it was. Uh, the second match was uh, Kip Saban defeating Sammy Guevara. Um, these are the only two guys who actually did the weigh-in in the uh, weigh-in uh, part of the StarCast uh, presentation. Everybody else just did more press conference things. Uh, what did you think of uh, Saban and Guevara? Um, unfortunately, nothing that stands out memorably. Um, I think it's a step in the right direction as far as if they want to go X Division or even open weight, you know, um, title uh, material, I guess. Um, as, as I said last week, uh, Sammy is one of the most uh, gifted talents that AEW actually has. It's just whether or not we see his full potential AEW and see where he goes. Um, you know, if he doesn't work at AEW, I guarantee you're going to see WB and NXT sign this guy up. But um, as far as establishing who these guys are, the talent that they have and everything else, yes, of course. But, you know, it's where they go from here, I guess. Um, uh, it's, I, I guess, uh, long story short, they have to establish where they're going with this, what the division's going to be. Um, because right now they've established they're going to have basically tag team champions because of the Young Bucks and the AAW, sorry, not AAW, but AAA affiliation. Uh, they've got the AEW, sorry, the AEW World Championship, but they don't have that middle ground yet. They don't have the Intercontinental Championship or the X Division Championship. So be interested to see what, they ha what happens and um, where they establish it, hopefully by um, all out, as they've called it. Hopefully they uh, establish it by then. Yep, for sure. Uh, the pay-per-view actually started with SoCal Uncensored, Christopher Daniels, Frankie Kazarian, Scorpio Sky, defeating Stronghearts uh, out of uh, OWE, Oriental Wrestling Entertainment. And that was uh, Seema, T-Hawk, and L. Lindemann. Your thoughts on this? Why? So I, I predicted last show, um, there's no reason in the world to have SCU go over. I mean, they're obviously, you know, obviously established in, you know, America. So why not have SEMA and his boys go over in this match? But the fact is, the fact that SCU won, um, it kind of almost buries OWE in, in kind of the short term. But um I mean, you have Daniels, Kazarian, and Scorpio Sky, which is good. But the fact is, it's why kind of reestablish these guys in AEW when everybody knows their North American history. So I don't agree with the the, the way the um, the match played out. But um, I guess we'll find out all out where uh, kind of where they go from here. Yeah, I didn't get it myself. I thought uh, Seema and his uh, friends from OWE were going to end up winning that one just to give them a spotlight and maybe establish that they were going to have that sort of relationship between the two companies since maybe AEW is not going to have one with New Japan. But that is up in the air now to see what happens. Uh, there was comment that they're going to lax on the five count uh, in tag team matches to get partners in and out, and it's going to be a ten count. However, while that's all good and fine, 
the referee wasn't even doing a single count to get them out. So it's like, okay, five, ten, it doesn't matter. It looked more uh, on the lines of a AAA tag team match where one person could come in and get out and the next person could come in without even tagging out. They could go out of the ring from the opposite side and their partner's going to come in from their corner. So they have to figure out that rule and make sure that it's established if they're going to pull something like that. The next match was Dr. Britt Baker defeating Nyla Rose, Kylie Ray, and the debuting, obviously, but return to wrestling of Awesome Kong. When Brandy Rhodes first came out, it appeared that she was going to do like a Stephanie McMahon and insert herself into the match, but it turned out a little bit of a swerve and they're going to make the match awesome, and that's where Kong came out. Uh, Kong and Rose sort of paired off against each other, and it came down to uh, Kylie Ray and Britt Baker with Britt getting the victory. Your thoughts on the match? Uh, Britt Baker's hot. Um, I think I established that last show, but uh, the um, irony is... Would agree. Yeah, so the irony is I'm watching NXT on WWE Network right now, and it's the whole focus on Adam Cole, so um, I... Uh, it's it's one of those things. I'm watching this thing on NXT right now, and it's Adam Cole versus Johnny Gargano, and they're hyping for was it NXT Takeover 25? Is that right? Which is this uh, Saturday? Yeah, this coming Saturday. So, but it's Adam Cole is one of those guys I would love to see in AEW, and um, you know, it's I mean, it's probably a matter of time. I would think i don't know what his contract status is like with wwe and i know with the mentality of triple h they're going to try to re-sign him to a mega deal and maybe brit goes to wb at that point but whatever the case may be but if you're going to establish a women's division AEW, and you're going to establish basically who your superstar is brit baker is it i mean um the adage of awesome kong um, Amazing Kong in this match was absolutely great because I didn't expect it. When I saw it, it was WrestleMania, I guess, 33 or 34. I think it was 34 reminiscent, uh, reminiscent when the New Day had come out and they were like they looked like they were going to take part in the match. It was going to be a fate of four-way for the tag team championships. Uh, but next thing you know, they introduced the Hardy Boys. So the same thing happens with Brandy Rhodes. She looks like she's going to take part in the match head down to the ring, and next thing you know, Awesome Kong comes out. And I know, Sean, you had been talking about um, uh, Glow Wrestling series on Netflix, and I've never honestly watched a single episode, but uh, you guys were talking about it. It kind of made me intrigued about, um, you know, her ability in that, uh, you know, in that series and knowing who she is as a wrestler. So um, having Awesome Kong part of that and then seeing basically – uh, pictures of her, you know, talking to Jim Ross and stuff like that on uh, Instagram and stuff like that it was kind of cool because she is relevant. She is a major factor in the wrestling business still. Um, I think if anybody at all can give Britt Baker run for her money, it's going to be either Awesome Kong or, and, and, you know, and, and maybe a little bit biased. So it's going to be Ali. But um, if they run with Britt Baker versus Awesome Kong at this point, um, 
I think it'll be a great feud. And I think, uh, um, you know, to establish AEW uh, women's champion, I think it'd be, uh, I, you know, a, a good, uh, a good move for AEW at this point. Yeah. Uh, you were mentioning, uh, awesome Kong being part of glow. She is her character in the ring is the welfare queen. And in the first season, people were just slowly being introduced and just they're trying more to get over the stars. But in season two, there's actually a whole episode based on Welfare Queen and her son. And Awesome Kong got a really good episode out of that and totally recommend it. I'm figuring that she's able to step back into the ring uh, to do this. Possibly season three is ready to be released eventually on Netflix. So season three of Glow, definitely worth checking out when it happens. And the women's division does look kind of bright in uh, AEW. And that's being led by Brandy. The best friends, Chuck Taylor and Trent Beretta, defeated Angelico and Jack Evans in a tag team match. And after that ended, there was a big surprise with the Super Smash Brothers, Evil Uno and Stu Grayson, along with Uno's minions, coming out and just destroying the whole place. Unfortunately, fans in the United States and in Las Vegas, for that matter, didn't know who Super Smash Brothers were. I know everybody that I'm friends with and follow on uh, social media with uh, fans of Smash Wrestling all basically marked out going, oh my god, it's the Smash Brothers. And they knew who it were, they were. So hopefully AEW works on getting them more established and even maybe not even give them any names and have them dominate for a while and be this mystery until people get to know who they are. Your thoughts on the tag team match and Smash Brothers coming in. Okay, so first thing, uh, as far as the Smash Brothers coming in, fuck Las Vegas. Um, I mean, the chance of who are you, are you freaking kidding me? Um, you know, and again, I, 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 it's biased because of the fact that I'm, I'm a, a, a Ontario independent wrestling fan. I'm a Canadian independent wrestling fan. And when you watch the SSB in the ring, they know how to perform. They know how to bring you in as a fan. Uh, they're talented, um, both in their own rights, because obviously you can't compare the body image of Stu Grayson versus Emo, you know, Evil Uno. But the fact is, you watch a match like Smash Wrestling, um, you know, the, the what do they call it last year? Uh, Super Showdown 6, the tables, ladders, and boxes match. Is that right? Yes. So you watch a match like that and you watch them interact and you watch Uno being stuck in a box and popping his head up and getting punched in the face by Psycho Mike Rollins. And it's hilarious, you know? And don't get me wrong, I think it's going to take a little bit of time for the US-based wrestling audience to get used to these guys. But come on, I mean, they, to me, they did it right. So when you have the evil Uno character sitting on his throne of i don't know if there's an official name for it yet but he, you know he's got like 10 guys much like you know dalton castle and the the way the boys used to be in roh he's got his throne of you know you know evil unos behind him 
And to me, that to me, it's something you got to remember as far as his character goes, and as far as that that uh, that match, and then you know the the event itself goes. Um, as far as the best friends versus Angelico and Jack Evans, I would have rather seen Jack Evans and Angelico go over. Um, but if this was the only purpose of this match was to establish the SSB, then great. Um, but um, hopefully, fans next event. And that being, you know, uh, all out uh, taking place. Know who the hell SSB are because they're one of those, they're one of the most gifted, talented um, tag teams in the Canadian uh, scene. Um, and 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 earlier we're, before we were talking about who could take the titles off of Halal Beefcake, and the SSB would be one of those tag teams. But um, um, I don't know how reachable they are at this point. But uh, you know, to me as a Canadian wrestling fan, I can't wait to see what AEW does with the SSB. Yeah, uh, their debut is definitely shocking the way they did it. Um, reminiscent of, say, when Sabu would come and go uh, in ECW and stuff like that. So it's kind of cool that way. Um, I, I, I tell you this, I marked. And Christine, my wife, kind of looked at me like, what the hell? I was like, um... <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, SSB on TV right now, and um, as I'm doing this, I'm pointing at the TV, but uh, um, as a wrestling fan, it was one of my markup moments for uh, this past Saturday night. Exactly. Uh, then, match number six of the night was um, the ladies from Japan. I really don't want to end up butchering their names uh, too uh, harsh, uh, but Aja Kong's team actually got defeated. Uh, we had picked Aja Kong's team to win, thinking that at least they're, she's the established woman that we know of. But uh, yeah, I thought it was a pretty decent uh, match. And your thoughts on the six-woman tag team? Um, nothing kind of memorable that stood out uh, other than the fact that Aja Kong was in it. So I mean it. Um, I don't know. It's it's part. I don't even know this. I don't know if it was a gimmick match as a part. You know, just as a part of putting women's wrestling on the event, or whether or not they're going to continue with, um, you know, uh, this uh, this group of women's wrestling is as far as it, to me. I don't mean any kind of disrespect, but the fact is. When you got Britt Baker and um, Brandy Rose and people like that, um, there's no reason to focus on another kind of women's division other than what you have and what you've signed and what you're basically, you know, uh, promoting and marketing as far as, you know, the, you know, the Allies and the Britt Bakers and the, like I said, the, uh, um, even at this point, the Awesome Conks. Um, so then the three bigger matches uh, came about, and it started off with Cody, accompanied by his wife Brandy, taking on his brother Dustin. Um, the match started off kind of slow, feeling each other out, I'd say, and then Brandy got involved hitting Dustin with uh, Cody's cane, which Dustin credits as what broke him open for bleeding. And Brandy speared him on the uh, floor. Earl Hebner 
end up kicking uh, Brandy out of the match and sent her to the back. By that time, Dustin was bleeding all over the place. Uh, the brothers went back and forth for a while longer, and Cody picked up the victory and left. And Dustin kind of sat in the corner, was just trying to get his breath back. Uh, if you hear his post-match uh, comments, I guess he was thinking about taking off his boots and leaving them in the middle of the ring. But before he could unlace, Cody got back into the ring and cut a classic Rhodes uh, promo. And it reminded me a lot of what happened in WCW when Arn Anderson turned on Dustin. Dusty came to uh, Dustin's side and said, the uh, Rhodes are uh, blood. And all he wanted was a hug. Well, Cody said that he's entered into a tag team match against the Young Bucks. And he doesn't need a tag team partner. He doesn't need a friend. He wants his brother by his side. And they ended up hugging and going up the ramp together. And huge emotional uh, match. Great storytelling in the whole thing. And as I said, a classic Rhodes the uh, story that would make Dusty obviously proud. Your thoughts on that match? Okay, I'm going to be the host for a couple uh, couple questions here. Oh. Uh, first question to you. Um, so you admitting last week that you're a mark of Dustin Rhodes since, what, the mid-90s? Early 1990, I mean, late 1990 when he showed up ringside uh, on Saturday night's main event. Uh, in a match of Dusty versus uh, Randy Savage and Ted DiBiase and Virgil bought the front row and then beat up uh, Dustin, yes. Okay, so I'm going to do this in my best announcer, Sean Moody voice. So, as far as Dustin Rhodes goes, um, your thoughts on his character of the night? I thought, uh, Obviously, it didn't have uh, the gold dust uh, theme to it. He did come out with a face half painted, but using red and black as colors and sort of uh, a little bit of a jumpsuit going on. But that was as far as it went with Dustin uh, doing gold dust. He was more Dustin Rhodes, the natural. And so even at the age of 50, he slimmed down really well. He probably in the best shape he's been in the longest time. 11 years clean and sober. Match of the night for sure. So question two, announcer style. Um, do you feel that Dustin Rhodes bladed too much? Uh, yeah. Just a little too much. I, like, that was even, I think, uh, more than uh, Brett did to Steve Austin at uh, WrestleMania 13. It was just a real big gusher. So, question three of four. Did you cry, and how many Kleenex boxes did you go through? Thankfully, no Kleenex boxes were needed, but there was some quivering lip and blurry eye. I think a fly flew in it or something. <laughs> you know, I wasn't crying. You were crying. So question four, where did they go from here? Well, obviously, at the uh, upcoming event, they're going to be teaming together, Cody and Dustin. 
taking on the Young Bucks in a brother versus brothers match. So if that's the case, do we ever see um, uh, Starburst? <laughs> I almost said Starburst, but Stardust versus uh, Goldust ever again? Uh, potentially. That could be uh, something that they can reverse roles and have Dustin come out as the heel and uh, Cody puts him out to pasture. So um, after this feud, where do they go from here? Well, if the main event scene is going to be cluttered with uh, people like Omega, MJF, Hangman Page, and uh, Jericho. And Moxley. And Moxley, yes. They uh, can hang out in the tag team division. Yeah, it'll it's, prolong, it's, it'll prolong uh, more ring time for Dustin. It, it, it's funny you say that because I, I listened to the podcast earlier um, and they were like, so where did the Young Bucks go from here? And there was a heavy rumor that the Young Bucks are going to be feuding with the uh, the Rhodes brothers, so to speak. So um, we'll see how long that plays out. But um be interesting to see whether or not they face off coming up in uh, All Out, which, um, I mean, honestly, it's, it's the end of May. So, I mean, August isn't that far away. No. I think they have... Uh fight for the fallen or something like that um that's where uh roads and uh bucks are going against each other then speaking of the young bucks they defeated and retained the triple a world tag team championships by defeating the lucha brothers uh pentagon jr and ray phoenix uh your thoughts on that match i honestly don't agree with the Young Bucks actually retaining the uh, AAA Tag Team Championships because of the fact um, if they're looking to establish a tag team, uh, tag team division in AEW as far as their own championships go, um, why keep them as AAA champions? Um, eventually, you're going to see the Lucha Brothers win the titles back, but um, I mean, I don't know. It's It's... I mean, it's not like you can take the AA, you know, the AAA titles and bring them and put them as the AEW tag team titles. So it's, um, I don't know. It, it to me as a wrestling fan, I'd rather see them separate the titles now. Have basically maybe Pentagon and Phoenix lose the titles to another team in AAA, and then basically see you know the Lucha Brothers feud with. The Young Bucks and you know best friends or whatever the case may be for the AEW titles and keep them as separate entities. I understand the affiliation between the two, but the fact is you don't need a you know AAA to uh, have you know uh, AEW as a um, a tag team con- uh, contender at this point. True, but uh, maybe uh, they end up doing what uh, WWE did with. Uh the title when they uh, had Rob Van Dam go against John Cena. He won the WWE Championship, but then they introduced the ECW title at the same time and gave it to Rob, so he's a double champion. And they could do that with the tag team titles, where eventually whoever uh, beats the Bucks for AAA belts 
get uh, the AEW titles. It's funny that you say that. Do you remember the late 90s and the NWA World Tag Team Championships arriving on Raw? Yep. <laughs> yeah, how was that experiment? Yeah, that didn't last long with uh, uh, Jarrett and Cornette bringing that in. And also uh, Rock and Roll Express. So then the uh, final match of the night was Chris Jericho defeating Kenny Omega. And uh, so now they are sort of 50-50 booking on that one since Omega won the match at Wrestle Kingdom 12, I think it was. And uh, at the end of the night, John Moxley came through the crowd, um, reminiscent of Razor Ramon, but also the Shield style, uh, how he came out that way. But that also established Chris Jericho as a AEW championship contender to take on Hangman Page a later date. Moxley took out Jericho, but then went after Omega. So that even sets up Omega and Moxley in the future as well. Your thoughts on the uh, way the final match happened and all the extra shenanigans. So as a fan, I'd rather would have seen Kenny Omega go over, but the fact is, I mean, obviously they're booking, I think at this point, Chris Jericho to go over as AEW champion, uh, as the inaugural champion. Um, I really, you know, I, I think we talked about on this podcast, actually, about John Moxley coming through and maybe being part of this event, but... Um, you know, to to wish is one thing for it to actually happen is another. Um, when Moxley jumped the guardrail to enter the match, I was like, holy shit, here we go. You know, and then to um, listen to, uh, you know, comments about what he had said on Jericho's podcast this past week, as well as the fact that he signed a multi-year deal with AEW. I mean, it's it's a go at this point. So, um He's definitely, you know, main event potential. And as far as the championship goes, um, probably second or third, probably champion as far as AEW goes. Uh, Jericho, like I said, rumored to be the first champion ever. Um, as a mark for Kenny Omega, I'd rather see him, but um, I understand where their, uh, their booking goes. Um, the only thing I heard anything negative about, and this wasn't just me, it was fans actually at Smash Wrestling this past Sunday and stating the fact that, number one, uh, the Moxley angle looked so much WWE to the point even the camera angles were the same. And number two is, are they booking him as John Moxley or are they booking him as Dean Ambrose? And if they're booking him as Dean Ambrose, the fact is they're going to fall flat in their faces because the fact is they don't know how to book outside that kind of lunatic fringe character. Um, it's, I don't know. It's, you know, either way, it, 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 to me as a wrestling fan, I'd rather see Hangman Page take the title for the first time. Um, forget about Jericho, forget about Omega, forget about uh, John Moxley. Give it to Hangman Page, somebody who's been loyal to AEW, um, you know, New Japan Pro Wrestling, being the elite, give it to Hangman Page and let somebody else chase that title. But um, that's probably not the way they're going. So if they go Jericho, does Hangman Page get lost, you know, get lost in the shuffle? If that's the case, where does Moxley fit in? So anyway, you look at it, it's I, they have that main event established potential, but 
Um, and I think you've been said it. The fact is they don't want to be the WWE. They don't want to be WWE part, part two. They don't want to be WWE as far as, hey, we just released this guy, so let's pick him up and see what we can do with him. Um, much the same as Chris Masters or, uh, you know, Matt Morgan or any of those guys go. Um, the last thing they wanted to do is compete with WWE. They want to be their own brand. They want to reestablish pro wrestling as it is. Uh, so long story short, uh, and I'll put this back on you, um, with the setup match right now being Chris Jericho versus Hangman Page, who do you put the title on? And then who do you chase that champion for that title? I would uh, like to see Page get it over Jericho, but at the same time, Jericho getting it in this current incarnation of him sets him up as the heel, where a babyface chasing has always been a good thing, regardless of whatever organization it is. Are you looking to get into the wrestling business? Well, look no further than the Tyson Dukes Wrestle Factory, located right here in London, Ontario. It's Tyson has over 20 years of experience in the wrestling world, and he's even been brought down to the WWE Performance Center to be a guest trainer. We've already seen the likes of Jordan James, Kyle Boone, Violet Lee, Jim Strider, Pharaoh Bowman, Chris Mitchells, and many more. Plus, the new generation that are coming from the second group, such as Josh Pine, Shiloh, Nova, Frankie War, and many more. You don't want to miss your opportunity to learn from one of the best in Ontario, if not all of Canada, or the world, in Tyson Dukes. So that's the Tyson Dukes Rust Factory. It's open Monday, Wednesday, and Thursdays. And located at 309 Exeter Road here in London. I'm Kyle Boone, one handsome SOB, and you're listening to the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast. Um, what I did miss, uh, there was two things I'll uh, backtrack on, and that does kind of reflect on what you said, that they don't want to be WWE, don't want to be WWE light or anything like that. But before Cody, or before Dustin came out to the ring, Cody took a sledgehammer handed to him by uh, Randy and went and destroyed or at least hit once and got a puff of smoke from a throne that had Triple H's sort of symbol on it. And people are like, oh, shots fired and everything. Myself, I thought it was a little too much because they, they want to establish themselves as their own or organization. They should just present themselves as is. Maybe shoot fire, uh, shots later on. Like, get your own identity established instead of trying to piggyback off anything involving WDE. Plus, of all people, if you're going to do something with mocking or attacking somebody from WDE, why not do it to Vince as opposed to Triple H? Because as history has shown, Triple H is a guy who wholeheartedly has respected Dusty from the beginning. He had Dusty 
uh, doing stuff with NXT when WD really didn't have anything for him. And he was a foundation of NXT, bringing up the uh, younger talent, teaching them promos. They have the Dusty Rhodes Classic. He's brought back things like Star uh, uh, War Games and all that out of respect for Dusty. Yet you got uh, Cody throwing shade on Triple H in a little bit of a disrespectful way. Yes, Triple H did say a pissant company uh, that Vince will buy and fire Billy Gunn, but that was more of a joke at Billy and everything than anything else. I don't, I didn't take it as really a harsh thing uh, because they hadn't established themselves yet. But what are your thoughts on what happened with that whole scene with the throne, Sledgehammer, and Cody? I think it was great. I think, um, you know, as, as much as people, wrestling fans as a whole, think it's maybe kind of juvenile as far as the, hey, Cody Rhodes is taking a shot at WWE. Well, you know, it's about friggin' time. Um, Cody has a legacy behind him as far as who his brother is, as far as who his father is. And as I'm saying this, I'm watching you know, Bianca Belair and Mia Yim fighting NXT ring. Without Dusty Rhodes, NXT probably wouldn't exist the way it is. Um, you know, you think WWE, WCW, NXT, uh, the NWA, all these sort of promotions and stuff like that, and the major influence that Dusty Rhodes had. Um, you know, you look at Cody Rhodes, Cody, the American Nightmare, for example, and he has that bleach blonde hair for a reason. That's not natural on him. But when you look at Dusty Rose, that that wasn't natural on him either, you know? So I think that's one of the things he's got tributed towards um, his dad. Uh, he's got a tattoo over his heart that says dream, you know? As opposed to the American dream, he's the American nightmare. Um, he is taking this to a level um, as far as competition goes in professional wrestling that many guys wouldn't have done. Um, you think of the hearts and how many guys have come out of that heart legacy that's, you know, that Stampede Wrestling, the heart dungeon, that have never said, hey, let's make Stampede Wrestling into a national uh, phenomenon. And Cody Rhodes basically, you know, Star Tuss, sorry, Star Tuss, I can't even pronounce it, Star Tuss, Star dust there we go fourth time i'm tired by the way uh gimmick he goes all of a sudden to, uh, to uh impact wrestling tna uh, roh new japan pro wrestling and he's like no this isn't enough they are not booking me the way that wrestling should be booked nowadays and he brings along his friends he makes establishments um he gets a guy like kenny omega to sign with aew over new japan chris jericho the same sort of way and he's changing the wrestling business for the good He's not doing it out of spite. Um, so if he were to be basically a wrestler being like, oh, you know, hey, I'm going to throw a shot at Triple H, bust the throne up, and that's going to be my gimmick, that'd be one thing. But to know what he's done over the past two years is absolutely phenomenal. So um, if you're going to knock Cody Rhodes, you might as well knock the wrestling business as a whole right now. It'd be the same way as knocking Sebastian Suave for what he's doing with Smash Wrestling as far as the Canadian independent scene goes. So, you know, props to Cody uh, for doing what he's doing. And I think with the way that 
you know, Triple H and the, the, the Generation X had taken shots at basically AEW at the uh, Hall of Fame ceremony with Billy Gunn being present. I think it's one of those things that basically, um, you know, all, all you know, all is fair in love and war, I guess. Yeah, well, I can see comment for comment, especially with that. But, um, well, I put it out there on our Facebook page to see what people thought. And it was uh, pretty one-sided. Like, there was a couple of people that agreed on your side. But a lot of people thought that, you know, it was a little too much, uh, you know, and want to establish themselves. So I guess it just depends on your perspective. And, like... I've noticed in a way with everything that Cody's doing, which is great for business, but it almost so at the same time, it seems like he's trying to make up for what his dad did or didn't accomplish and try and get back things like trademarks and stuff like that. And so, you know, trying to make up for the past in the present may or may not work. Hopefully, it's not a case of learning from the past and you're doomed to repeat it in the uh, present and future. And the AEW is able to establish themselves and grow. With that said, I think we're going to wrap up everything involving AEW, Smash Wrestling. This has gone on really long, and I appreciate everybody for staying with us. Uh, We do have one final thing to get to. And that's also on this weekend, and it's NXT TakeOver 25. All right, it's the news that everyone's been talking about. Chris Jericho's Rock and Wrestling Rager at Sea Part 2, the second wave, is getting ready to go, along with thousands of the friends of Jericho and me sailing across the ocean to have the best vacation of a lifetime. I want to tell you right now, the hottest wrestling promotion in the world today, All Elite Wrestling, will be there. That's right, some of the greatest rock and roll bands in the world, some of the funniest comedians on the planet, paranormal experiences where you'll be wondering, is this really happening? Well, the answer is yes. It is really happening. And so is Chris Jericho's Rock and Wrestling Rager at Sea, Part 2, Second Wave. Sign up for all the info for this all-elite vacation now at ChrisJerichoCruise.com. I want you on board Chris Jericho's Rock and Wrestling Rager at Sea so we can all sail away, man! We'll see you there. Ah, yeah! It's a path to the And surprisingly enough, it's been the 25th takeover it's going to happen from Bridgeport Connecticut at the Weber Bank Arena and it's this uh, Saturday June 1st and it's NXT Chris stepped away just for a moment but we're going to run down the card and get uh, his opinion on what's going to happen we'll put our predictions and uh, wrap up the show so, Chris sounds like he's back. And we have NXT uh, 25. Matt Riddle taking on Roderick Strong. Velveteen Dream against Tyler Breeze. So, those are two of the matches that are happening. Riddle and Strong, Dream and Breeze. And Breeze is going to challenge for the North American Championship at NXT Take over. 
Let's start with the Riddle Strong match. What do you see happening there, Chris? So it, it's interesting to see what they're going to do with the Undisputed Era at this point. Um, I mean, obviously, if if I was in charge, it'd be hyping Matt Riddle um, to the point that he's he's going to be groomed for a championship at this point. But um, uh, which championship? So the problem I see with NXT right now is the fact is they all of a sudden have you know NXT North American champion uh, Velveteen Dream facing Tyler Breeze. Why not have him face Matt Riddle? Have not not have you know Matt Riddle go over at this point. Um, Tyler Breeze has been a mainstay for the past couple of years, but the fact is, it makes no sense to book him in a feud with Velveteen Dream. Um, you know where you're not kind of promoting and and bringing guys up that should be main level talents. And now, in saying that, um, as far as anybody who's gone to the main roster at this point, they've been. You know, nothing more than probably, I, I guess, insane failures. But, um, um, I mean, if you're going to eventually, hopefully, bring Johnny Gargano and, say, T- Tommaso Ciampa up to the main roster, you've got to fill that void. So bring Velveteen Dream up to NXT Championship level and then take a guy like Matt Riddle and bring him up to NXT North American Championship level. But... Um, that's not happening right now because of guys like, uh, like I said, like Tyler Breeze. So I'm interested to see where they go into NXT TakeOver as far as Toronto goes. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, as far as is charisma and personality and talent goes, and you would know this from seeing Matt Riddle live, I guess, um, at the last year's Northern Tournament. Um, the sky's the limit for this guy, and he's, um, um, you know, you're tr- to this guy for every single reason um, in the world because of the fact is he's likable. Um, you like his character, and the fact is he's he's you know he's talented as far as not only pro wrestling goes, but his uh, MMA goes as well. Yeah, so, what are you picking for Riddle and Strong? I hate to say it, but I, I got to go uh, Roderick Strong on this one with some help from. Uh... The other members, Bobby of, Fish uh, and Kyle O'Reilly, yeah. Oh, uh, I unfortunately, I'm going to go against you, and I'm going to keep go with Riddle, and uh, just for the example that you said, they need to build him up. There's still that uh, questionable dissension happening with the Undisputed Era, so I see Riddle uh, going over, and I'm actually okay with Tyler Breeze showing up. At uh, NXT, he's needed something to do, uh, and uh, you know, he actually was doing his best stuff in NXT. His character does uh, meld uh, gel well with uh, Velveteen Dream, but I see Dream retaining the North American Championship at this moment. Still trying to build him up towards uh, the main title. Your pick for the. Uh, North American Championship. Yeah, at this point, I gotta go Velveteen Dream because um, it's one of those things. Until they're ready to launch him into that, um, you know, the NXT Championship picture, he's he's gonna remain probably um, the way he is. It's funny. I'm saying this. I'm watching Kushida right now on NXT, and he'd be the one guy I would think that would 
maybe take the NXT champion or sorry, the North American Championship off of so probably Velveteen Dream other than Matt Riddle. But um yeah, I mean until they're ready to launch him, I he, there's no reason in the world for him to lose. Okay. Well, the tag team championships are on the line as the Viking Raiders uh, had to give up the titles since they're on the main roster now. And William Regal declared that it's going to be uh, filled in a ladder match. And that has only Larkin and Danny Birch on one team, the Street Profits, the Undisputed Era with O'Reilly and Fish, and the Forgotten Sons of Blake and Cutler, all battling it out to climb the ladder and become the new champions. Who do you think takes it? Well, I hate the way the WWE right now is putting the focus on the Forgotten Sons because, um, you know, and, and I'm in agreement, probably numerous podcasts and websites out there that say, you know, who are the Forgotten Sons? It's um, basically two guys have been put together with, um, you know, uh, probably minimal talent um, that they're trying to create a gimmick with um, the street profits. When I first saw them, I was like, okay, who are these guys? Why are they even part of NXT? And then the more you get to know them, the more you see them wrestle. And even that match uh, against the war Raiders um, were, you know, uh, Viking experience, Viking Raiders, whatever you want to call them. Fact is they, you know, they were within that championship. So to me, as far as everything goes, it's one of those things. If you're going to book a strong tag team division right now, as far as NXT goes, um, I would be putting over the street profits at this point. I was going to go with the Forgotten Sons myself. Uh, My second choice would be the street profits. I don't think Undisputed Era will pick the titles up for a third time, I think. So my choice is uh, going to be the Forgotten Sons just for something of uh, a little bit different. And once again, the heel champion with the face is such as the Street Profits chasing them. Uh, the NXT Women's Championship is online with Shayna Baszler defending against Io Shirai. Is this the time that Baszler drops the belt, or does she still hang on to it until at least SummerSlam weekend? You know, it's funny. I was um, one of my uh, coworkers' sons was into work today, and he's a huge Roman Reigns fan, and um, he, but he also follows NXT, and he was asking me who my who my favorite women's wrestlers were right now, and I was like, well. If I got to think about it, probably Becky Lynch and Shayna Baszler. And the main reason about Baszler is because of the fact she's got that personality. She's got that, that um, you know, that, that look, that hype that says she can probably beat you any chance she wants to. So um, I think with, and I hate saying this, but with the lacking WWE women's division right now, because they're looking to establish shares. I mean, they've tried with Ember Moon. They've tried with Naomi. Uh, they're trying right now with Bailey, but the fact is it's not working the way that fans want it to, hence the ratings. So, you've all, you, you, you know, you obviously got the Charlotte versus um, 
Lacey Evans versus Becky Lynch aspect to it. Sasha Banks is now out of the picture. So what do you do? And um, I think at this point, you take, uh, you know, um, Io Shiri, um, make her win the title and move Shayna Baszler up. And if there ever is a time that, you know, Ronda Rousey does come back, she's already got Shayna Baszler and plus Jessamyn Duke. And uh, is it Mira or um, what's her first name? Shafir. Yeah, I think it's Mira. Mira Shafir. So Roderick Strong's wife uh, coming to the main roster. So the three of the four horsemen are already there. So, um, but I think it's, the time is right to bring Shayna Baszler up to the main roster and uh, give it to, uh, you know, EO uh, to win the title and, um, and kind of go from there. So uh, my pick, yeah, uh, new champion in this one. I would go with uh, Shirai taking it, but not bring Baszler up until uh, SummerSlam. The night of SummerSlam, have her uh, get a rematch with uh, Io Shirai at uh, NXT Takeover Toronto. Lose again, that way establishes Shirai as the uh, champion. And then uh, the next night during uh, SummerSlam, you have Baszler uh, step in, and that could be the next person for Becky. Then the main event is Johnny Gargano defending the NXT Championship against Adam Cole, baby. What do you think? Yeah, I can't comment on that until you say the words baby properly. Sorry. Carry on. <laughs> All right, we'll leave it at that. Um, anyways, it's... <sighs> See, I can comment on this as a wrestling fan. And I can comment on this as as where I think they should go with this. But the fact is, so Johnny Gargano, Tommaso Ciampa was up on the roster, the main roster. And then Ciampa gets injured. But the fact remains is everybody asks, when is Gargano going to hit the main roster for good? We've seen Ricochet. We've seen Aleister Black. We've seen even the likes of EC3. But the fact is, um, with regards to Gargano, when you look at him and they put him in a fucking match against the bar, so Sheamus and Cesaro, each one of these guys is what, 6'3", 6'4"? Yeah. So Gargano's like probably 5'8", and I'm talking like Brian Pillman height. Um, And I even, they could put the guy over it, and I think they did that night. But the fact is, they bury the guy because of the fact is the guy looks Daniel Bryan height versus uh, like a Dave Batista height. And it's not like a building feud. It's like basically first night, here you go. And as talented as Gargano is, it's, you know, it's, it's one of those things. It's like, how do you bring up the main roster when that was the first impression? So do you leave him NXT for the rest of his freaking life, which is basically you know, it, it sucks ass, but the fact is, it protects them. Um, you know, I, I'm going to put you, I'm going to basically put this back on you there, Sean. Um, you got Gargano, who was Smash Wrestling champion for as long as Tyson Dukes was. Is that right? Yep. So if you were to book Gargano against, say, somebody like, 
I don't know. Um, Seth Rollins, how would you do it right now? I think they could have a uh, really good match. Unfortunately, uh, Seth would be the uh, victor. But you got Seth Rollins, who's like 6'3", 6'4", versus Johnny Gargano, who's like probably probably 5'8". So can you do the Daniel Bryan story believable twice over? I think it's possible. You just have to do it in a way that it's not repeating. But, you know, you got to build Gargano up. Okay, so so... Anybody listening right now, my, my theory is this. So you have a tag team like the Revival. And I think I've said on this show or another show, the fact is you've got them talented as any tag team that's ever been out there. But the fact is they're not believable because of their size. So you take, again, you know, again, like a tag team like the Revival and put them like Seamus and Cesaro or the Usos for that matter. And they look small. And the fact is, how do you take these guys and make them into believable champions? Well, the same thing as Johnny Gargano, Tommaso Ciampa, whatever the case may be. You put them up against guys like, you know, even Kofi Kingston, for example. And how do you put them over as champions? And I'm saying this in in a day that Vince McMahon is still in charge. If it was Triple H, he'd know how to book these guys. But when in, in the case is when you've got basically Vince McMahon at the helm, you will never see Johnny Gargano basically be anything more than what he is. Um, so long story short, Adam Cole versus Johnny Gargano, Adam Cole goes over it. But if they see Johnny Gargano come up to the main roster, he's going to get lost. And I, I hate seeing that. I think as long as Gargano is champion, he's protected. But... Um, you know, it's, I, I guess it's different booking as, as far as whether or not Triple H takes over sometime soon and we actually see the WB, what it should be nowadays, as opposed to the uh, the Vince McMahon era. Yeah, that's the problem with Vince, unfortunately. Uh, as Dean or John Moxley is uh, saying, that he's out of touch and we've kind of known that for a while. Uh, as much as he is a creative genius, He's not living in 2019 and still probably has the mentality of bigger is better and liking the big guys. So somebody smaller isn't going to get that push as opposed to what Triple H would do and has done with them in NXT. With that said, uh, who are you picking? If I had to take a pick in this match, it would be Adam Cole. I would uh, go along with Adam Cole as well. I'm also hearing that potentially uh, Gargano is uh, working through a knee injury or something. So if that is uh, happening, it might be best to get him into that match and out without the title. I'm going to ask you an honest question right now. If you had a healthy 100% Johnny Gargano on the main roster versus a healthy 100% um, Lars Sullivan on the main roster, who goes over his champion first as far as, today, uh, as far as today's WWE booking goes? Who's booking it? Vince. Vince. 
Well, obviously Sullivan goes over. Triple H. Gargano. Though yeah. Triple H did have uh, Sullivan there and uh, did decently with uh, Sullivan. But I would see Gargano getting it before Sullivan. All right. The Signature Spot with Chris Toplack is a weekly podcast available every Thursday that covers the world of professional wrestling. It's an easy-to-digest show that ranges from 30 to 40 minutes in length and focuses on show recaps, highlights from the week, industry news and rumors, full event previews along with predictions, topics of the week, and featured guests such as journalists and fellow podcasters. It's a professional yet personable show that's all about connecting with you. To subscribe, head over to youtube.com forward slash the signature spot or listen on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever podcasts are available. And to be a part of the conversation, like the signature spot on Facebook. Scumbags of Wrestling are always looking for ways of giving back to the community. And we're going to do just that with Ethan's Fight, happening on June 23rd at Montcalm Secondary School right here in London, Ontario. The card starts at 1pm and goes till 4 with tickets starting at $10 for kids, $15 for general admission, and $20 for VIP. Ethan's Fight is a charity wrestling show to benefit Ethan Hayes. In January 2019, a cancerous mass was discovered in six-year-old Ethan's brain. He immediately had surgery at Sick Kids Hospital in Toronto to remove the mass and relieve the swelling caused by the buildup of cerebral spinal fluid. The eight-hour surgery removed most of the mass, but some elements were attached to his brainstem and could not be extracted. Along with the remnants of the tumor in his brain, cancer was also present throughout Ethan's spine. Luckily, he qualified for a study which would combat cancer with revolutionary form of proton radiation treatment only available at St. Jude's Children's Hospital in Memphis, Tennessee. The money raised will help alleviate the financial burden that Ethan's family will be facing during Ethan's upcoming chemotherapy at Sig Kids in Toronto. Ethan's mother has taken a one-year leave of absence from work for both her, her jobs to care for Ethan through all phases of his treatment. The main event is going to be a big one, with the first time ever meeting of Impact Wrestling and London's own Cody Deaner taking on the King of the North, Carter Mason, one of independent wrestling's hottest wrestlers who is having an astonishing comeback year. You won't want to miss this main event and all the other matches that are set to happen during Ethan's Fight, the charity wrestling event show happening at Montcalm Secondary School on June 23rd at 1pm. Check out Facebook for more information. Hello, do you or someone you know have a business that you'd love to have advertised here on our podcast? Well, give me a shout at our email address, scumbagswrestling at gmail.com, and let us know how we can help you advertise to the listeners of this podcast. We'll give your business a shout-out, including information on how people can reach out to you and information on your services. Do 
you mind? So we're talking WB right now. Do you mind if I put you on the spot for a sec? Okay. All right, here we go. So do you feel, and, and this is all over the internet right now, I'm, I'm, and I'm talking major news websites. So I'm talking like FRW Online, PW Insider, and uh, you know, Pro Wrestling Sheet, and uh, Fightful. Um, do you feel Vince McMahon right now is irrelevant in 2019? Unfortunately, yes. I've met the man, but yeah, um, we're seeing it happening where we said last time that the writers are writing for an audience of one, not an audience of a million. So as a wrestling fan, how long have you been a fan of WWE? Uh, 33 years. Okay, so um, being a wrestling fan of 33 years for WWE, you know SmackDown is moving to Fox this coming October. Right. So your thoughts on Brock Lesnar being the first champion to head up that brand on Fox? Well, uh, it won't be surprising because uh, Fox does want more of a sports feel to it, so having somebody with an MMA background like uh, Brock will help get them over. And Brock is a known name that is with WWE right now outside of WWE. So if you had your chance right now, would you end the brand split? Mm, Well, it sort of is already over. Like the only difference is the lower card guys are on their brand, but if you're a higher talent, you're getting to, having to work both days. So you've got the NXT brand, the WWE SmackDown Live brand, and the WWE Raw brand, and you're going to head-to-head war against AEW. Who are your champions? Well, there's too many champions on uh, WWE to begin with. No, no, but yeah, so okay, so so case in point, if you were to take one guy in the WWE or NXT and rival AEW right now, who would you pick as your champion? My champion would probably be a guy like either Daniel Bryan or uh, Finn Balor. So basically, guys who are talented but aren't six foot four exactly like i would love to see in a way with the brand split in place um what we saw in one of the original brand splits with the uh smackdown six you had guys like edge angle eddie Eddie, and all the and ray as you're uh, six guys that were interchangeable and working everything. They could do that with at least six to eight guys right now and build a brand around them. So was that based on Tala or was that based on uh, who was booking? I think it was uh, based on both because um, those guys got brought over to SmackDown because apparently the Rob writers didn't know what to do with them. And a guy like Paul Heyman knew with their talent what to do with them and uh, make them shine. So here's a, here's a history lesson for anybody listening to the podcast right now. 
uh, what was it, 2002 or 2003, front row SmackDown Live? Uh, probably 2002. So 2002. So it's Sean and his mom sitting with my ex-wife and I, front row, four seats, SmackDown, at the uh, Budweiser Gardens. I think it was the John Labatt Center back then, eh? Yes. Um, for a SmackDown, um, a SmackDown show. So you know, being taped, but going live on uh, the Thursday. And when Sean talks about that SmackDown 6, that's exactly what it was. So I remember seeing Los Guerreros that night. We saw the late uh, Chris Benoit team with Rhino. I forget who they fought. But main event had, um, I think it was Brock Lesnar in the main event. And I remember he he beat up on Paul Heyman in the after show. But um, that was the time and era it was. And um, it was one of those things that it was, um, you know, it was surreal because it was the amount of talent to Paul Heyman that was given the threshold to produce was it was absolutely amazing. And um, uh, as a wrestling fan, it's it's to know that they built on Eddie Guerrero, who won I think WWE Championship was it 2004? Yes. And this was 2002, so two uh, two years to the prelude, but um, you know it's it's that type of potential with the right booking and the right guys at the helm to be able to book those guys. And I'll say this as a fan of WB, they have the talent, uh, they have the the right minds there, but it's trying to put all those puzzle pieces together to um, be able to you know garner that fan's interest again. Um, when they're booking stuff like Baron Corbin going over in the main event of Raw, that to me as a fan doesn't isn't relevant. Um, and today I read a story on Kofi Kingston, uh, potentially almost had dropped the title at the last pay per view, potentially dropping the title at this pay per view um, because Vince McMahon isn't a fan of his. And um, to me, it's absolute garbage. It's um, again, it's one of those things. It's it's the, having the right. Bookers, I apparently booked the right talent. So, um, yeah, it's the unfortunate part of this era because of everything being live and people with ADHD, it seems like the days of long term booking, at least for WWE at the moment, seem to have gone by the wayside. Yeah, that's one. Uh, so episode 58 of the um, Scumbags podcast. We are almost complete. Just one last thing to touch on is the fact that the last couple episodes of SmackDown and Raw have been gearing towards the Super Showdown and a quick rundown of the card with one more week of TVs to go. Sees Lars Sullivan and the Lucha House Party going at it in a handicap match three on one. Why the faces have to have such an advantage is the same reason why it didn't get over with the revival. Seth Rollins is going to defend the uh, Raw Championship against Baron Corbin, thanks to winning a wonky four-way elimination match that only one elimination actually happened. Kofi Kingston is defending against Dolph Ziggler since Kevin Owens is not going to go overseas, and so they inserted Dolph into the same spot where Kevin was, same sort of storyline. Roman Reigns is going to go against Shane McMahon. Finn Balor defending the Intercontinental Championship against Andrade. 
Braun Strowman going against Bobby Lashley, Goldberg against Undertaker, who Undertaker is expected two days later to appear in Niagara Falls for Comic-Con for two hours. There's going to be Triple H versus Randy Orton, and they keep on rehashing everything that happened with Evolution and their WrestleMania matches and stuff like that, and how they're going to uh, do it, a 50-man battle royal, not Royal Rumble, battle royal. So 50 guys are supposedly going to start at one time in a 20 by 20 ring. Your thoughts on that quickly before we uh, wrap it up. Uh, Terry Reynolds got arrested today. Yes, she had a loaded gun in a uh, <laughs> Tampa uh, airport. So to me, that's more relevant than the uh, the Saudi Arabia show. Um, just not a fan of, of what's going on that that side of things, but um... so if you take that card and put it in Australia, where the first Super Showdown happened last year, what do you think of it? Oh hell yeah, I'm a fan of Australia. It's but just you take the take the political out and have the wrestling fan in. So okay, so if if you're gonna put it that way, um, it's a good card for an old school, probably mid two thousands fan. Um, and again, I think I've said it before in this podcast, but the fact is the 50 man battle royal number one is okay. Who are the names are going to be in this thing? And number two, how the hell did they put 50 freaking guys in a battle royal? Exactly. So we'll have to figure out how that goes. Uh, I guess undertaker is going to appear on at least raw this week and maybe we'll see Goldberg uh, one time. Plus, we haven't really seen anything with Triple H and Orton, so it's really down low card uh, as far as doing hypes. They're just throwing out names and graphics. How cool would that be, though? Going in cold. I'll say, okay, so, so Undertaker's been announced for Raw this Monday, right? Yep. Goldberg comes out of nowhere and spears the guy. That would create excitement right there. Very true. But it also might mean Taker doesn't make it to Friday. <laughs> you causing you tell me you're telling me he's that fragile, eh? The man has made a glass. Well and I'm not meaning like a glass beer bottle, I'm meaning like Hollywood type glass that shatters on contact. Okay, so he comes out, raises the lights, he says rest in peace, he goes home, and then we then they meet in what was the thing called? Super Showdown? Yep. Yeah, well, I, I tell you this, I won't be watching it live, but I'll, I will catch the highlights. Yeah, most likely because it's all happening, I believe, on a Friday during working hours anyways. Oh, don't get me wrong. <laughs> we start talking politics. I'm off on Friday, but um, yeah, it's just, it's, yeah, anyways, uh, forget about the politics, uh, wrestling. So, once again, I want to thank you for being a part of this. It's been a long show. We got uh, some predictions going on. We'll do a special live one uh, Sunday as part of uh, the Northern Tournament with a recap of what happened uh, on Saturday and our preview for what's going to happen later on that day on Sunday. And I hope everybody enjoyed this. Chris, where can people catch you? Um, all over the place. Okay. Uh, <laughs> that works. No. 
actually if if people want to catch me they can catch um um probably my my baby there so the sharpshooter.ca um but uh yeah anyways um I'm a huge fan. Uh, I'll tell you this. I'm a huge fan of what Sean's doing. He's he's gone 58 episodes at this point. Um, if anything at all, check out check out the scumbags.ca, but check out his Facebook page at facebook.com slash is it scumbags or wrestling or just scumbags? No, scumbags or wrestling. So I, I can tell you this in the past year of, uh, of Sean's Facebook page, I have gotten into um, heated arguments with people. I have been enlightened as far as wrestling events taking place in ontario goes i have been enlightened as far as you know blu-rays and dvds being sold at the dollar store for three dollars a piece um i've got my hands on ultimate warrior action figure a dean Ambrose action figure um and it's it's probably the most interactive probably facebook group i've been a part of and it's um but the the the, the coolest thing part uh, about it is it, it's it's clean, um, you know you can get you know um, hype on Comic Con uh, taking place, uh, Ethan's uh, Ethan what is Ethan's fight right? Ethan's fight coming up on uh, June twenty third at Montcom. Uh There's a huge card coming up on that, uh, raising funds for a little guy fighting cancer, needing money in the states. We do uh, a lot of hyping for different charities, including with Cody Diener's Giver for uh, charity as well. Yeah, so it, it's one of those things like when I need to post something, it's not on my website. It's immediately if, if something's going on or if I see some cool news, I immediately go to Sean's thing. Um, so, yeah, check it out. Scumbags Wrestling on Facebook and uh, be part of it. And um, uh, it's it's, uh, it's one of those things that uh, I look forward to seeing the content on every single day. And um, yeah, again, the it's it's people, fans that have been fans of the wrestling business for, you know, a year or 20 years posting about stuff that they're passionate about. So it's um, definitely a, a good feel as far as your, your Facebook group goes. Yeah, I think we've only had to actually uh, ask one person or get one person to leave because of the content they were putting on it was very uh negative and derogatory and i was warned about uh the way the person is towards uh people in bullying situation or just in business with other uh, independent wrestling so just to not have that toxic uh environment on our page they were eliminated by everybody else has been positive we talk about wrestling we love wrestling we attend wrestling we celebrate wrestlers with their birthdays and yeah it's a great place to uh just hang out and have good dialogue whether you agree with everybody or not dialogue is fun and so is the wrestling business and so as chris said join us on our facebook page scumbags wrestling we're on twitter at scumbags canada and you can email me at scumbags wrestling at gmail.com if you want to be a part of this show, whether it's a uh, written opinion or you want to uh, chime in and be on our uh, actual podcast and have a discussion. We're welcome. We're opening and share this on Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, and anywhere else that you listen to podcasts. Yeah, so, I, I, and I got to share one more thing. Um, it, so this is audio right now. 
And as much as audio, Sean is recording this. He's got video going on. And in the background, he's got the Scumbags of Wrestling uh, podcast thing going on in the background. So that uh, he is, uh, you know, that is his baby. Well, mainly started by going back to independent wrestling shows like Smash and then this podcast started off uh, and branched off of yours. So, well, hold on. A second. I, I got one question because is in, in seeing this when we started <laughs> this podcast almost three hours ago, um, what was your. I, I get you promote the hell out of indie wrestling. And it's not just Smash because Smash in the area, but what as as a wrestling fan who's followed WWE most of their lives, what was your I, I guess incentive to go to your first independent wrestling show? I loved indie uh, wrestling uh, back in the late '90s, and Chris Jones and I would go and just have fun and heckle. And unfortunately, at the time, crowds were kind of dead, and the spots that uh, the talent were doing were not as crisp as they are today. So we had fun heckling and being acknowledged that way, but it's not about heckling as much anymore. Sure. People do mess up and it's fun to make fun of the talent, but you're now with the show, not being the show. So for the 25 to $45 that you pay per show, as an uh, independent fan, definitely worth the money? Oh, worth your dollar. Like, even if you're going to WDE, the cheapest uh, seat is about that $25 range. And you get uh, the really good uh, talent and all the action is really decent, especially on a house show. But you don't get that interaction with the talent beyond that because of organization like WWE or even Impact when we went to there in Toronto. They didn't have a chance to meet with the uh, superstars after the show or during an intermission because there is an intermission but with independent wrestling they know without the fans they're pretty much starving and having to work their regular job Monday to Friday. So the interaction is the best part. And worth every penny. All right. I don't know if you've ever been asked this on your show, but uh, why does the Scumbags of Wrestling exist? Scumbags of Wrestling existed because we were just a bunch of guys getting together and enjoying the show. And the it came about due to the wrestling nerds uh, on the other side of the ring from us and we were both groups were kind of bantering back and forth and every face or heel needs a face or heel counter and the nerds kind of seem like uh, a fan like sort of a face sort of title to them so scumbags and also with Jake and everybody else having their uh, stuff with scumbags in comic-con and Shockstock was a natural fit as being the heel counter to the wrestling nerds so last question before i shut the hell up um uh the coexistence right now between the wrestling nerds and the uh, scumbags of wrestling 
it is uh, alive and well. There had been some tension from the uh, onset. I think that some people thought we were stepping on uh, toes, but didn't get the whole interaction that we're all wrestling fans regardless. But uh, those moments have passed. And uh, even just this week, an uh, uh, invitation was extended back to myself to rejoin uh, the Wrestling Nerds page. And I accepted that and uh, have been interacting a slight bit with uh, some of their content as well and comments. And like I said, we're all wrestling fans, regardless of being a nerd, being a scumbag, being a person from Drunk's Row, which was one of the catalysts to the scumbags and nerds issue as well. Everybody's a fan. And so get out, enjoy wrestling, whether you're watching on WD Network, Fight Network, or in your local bar or arena. Yep, and uh, it, it's funny, as Sean just, as Sean just mentioned, with regards to Drunk's Row, and I'm looking on Sunday at the uh, nerds who are sitting front row to the left of us at the Smash show. And I'm reminded of the drunks row. So um, the fact is, it, it doesn't matter what you call yourselves. The essence of everything is the fact is your wrestling fans showing up at an indie show, um, you know, promoting it, being a fan of it. But most importantly, um, uh, you know, uh, being a part of it to the point that you're um, trying to, yeah, yeah, no, I'm shutting up right now. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, the, the the point to everything is 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 without Sean's group and the wrestling nerds and the drunks row, um, you probably wouldn't have as many passionate fans showing up to indie wrestling events as as you do. So, um, yeah, I mean. If you're a wrestling fan on the independent scene, um, you know, step into it, join the groups, get to know these guys, um, have these affiliations, and um, you know, it's uh, I don't know, it's it's to me, it's amazing because, like I said, 10 years ago, this stuff didn't exist, so and these groups have t shirts just like ours. Whether it's the uh, Scumbags Wrestling podcast uh, logo or the uh, Scumbags Wrestling uh, regular logo, we can sell you a shirt and you can go to your local indie show wearing that shirt proudly saying, I'm part of this group. So um, on the the other side of things, it's almost midnight. Uh, I've been up since 4.30 in the morning, so I'm tired as hell. Sean, how long have you been up? I've been up since 5.30, and 5.30 comes <laughs> early tomorrow. So uh, we could talk wrestling all night, but it's probably not going to make a, uh, sense any longer. But um, anyways, um, I'd like to thank Daniel for being a part of the Scumbags. Uh, he's a hardcore fan. Um, you know, uh, kind of got excited when uh, the announcement Gail Kim was coming uh, for August in London here. Uh, Sean's probably got some stories for a later podcast at that, but um, uh, as a wrestling fan, as uh, as a somewhat journalist in 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 the making, I guess I would say, 
you know, commendations to Sean for having 58 of these taking place because it's basically all it comes down to is being a wrestling fan and wanting to have a voice about it and wanting to promote. And I know with doing my own podcast and we started in January of 2018, it was all about promoting the indie scene as well as what's going on in the pro scene. Um, but more importantly, it was, you know, hammering on uh, stuff like Cody Diener's uh, stuff and, uh, you know, why they're making a difference in this and that. And, you know, every little bit matters. And when I see Ethan's fight coming up, it's um, it's amazingly cool because the fact is it's still, to me anyways, as a wrestling fan a year and a half later and, and you know, charities are still existing and Cody Diener is still a part of it. And to be part of what, you know, what, what's going on is absolutely amazing. Um, eventually, I'll find the right words to be able to describe this to everybody. But the fact is, you know, join Sean's group, join the Scumbags of Wrestling, join the wrestling nerds, um, you know, and just be a wrestling fan. And, and uh, if you're listening to this, shout back at us. Hate me if you want to, you know. Um, uh, but the, for the most part, basically tell us what you want to see, to hear. Um, if that makes any sense at all, like I said, it's midnight. I'm not making a lot of sense. But the fact is, um, I, I can't commend Sean on uh, enough to the fact he's done 58 of these. And um yeah, hopefully 158 uh, happens sometime soon. So, um, yeah, so I guess that's it. Note, we're going to say goodnight <laughs> and uh, catch this podcast. And we'll yeah, see you on Sunday. Good night. Pillow time. Ciao. <laughs>